0: Do you have a child who just seems to enjoy arguing with you? Do you have a hard time not engaging in the argument? Do you ever stop and ask yourself, how are either of us going to survive the teenage years? Well, then we are so glad you're joining us for today's Q&A episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. And while you're there, please be sure to sign up for updates so you'll always know about new podcast episodes. You'll also receive a free gift from Ginger when you sign up. Before we answer today's listener question, here's a quick word from our sponsor. I read something online recently that really pricked my heart. It said, The church should handle adoption and caring for the fatherless like we handle the Great Commission. While not everyone is called to adopt, everyone does play a role in caring for the fatherless. Friends, this is why Ginger and I are thrilled to share more about our sponsor, Lifeline Children's Services. Lifeline believes that adoption is one way that God provides families for vulnerable children who need to know the love of Christ and the love of a family. They walk with foster and adoptive families and provide them with parent coaching, educational services, and professional counseling so they can better nurture and disciple their children. Whether you're a foster or adoptive family who could use support services or if, like my family, you want to support those who have opened their homes to these precious children, you can find out more at lifelinechild.org. Again, that's lifelinechild.org. Lifeline brings gospel hope to vulnerable children. Well, hey there, Ginger. Welcome back to Q&A Day. These episodes have quickly become some of my favorites because it feels like we're able to have a conversation with our listeners. Friends, we have already been so encouraged by your questions, and I know that we're both eager to share what the Lord has laid on our hearts. So, Ginger, can you tell our listeners a little bit about the process you go through to answer these great parenting questions?
1: Sure. Well, first off, I do just want to say thank you to all of our listeners for submitting, like Katie said, all of these fantastic questions. We ask for questions and you guys have certainly stepped up to the plate. And I just want to tell you all that it's really, really hard for me not to respond personally to all of your emails, because while I don't have all the parenting answers, I do have such a heart to help moms uh, just think through and handle struggles that their children are facing. But I just get way too many parenting questions and emails to respond to them all. But please know that even though you may not get a personal response from me when you email, I do read and pray over every single email that comes in. And while Katie and I do appreciate you sending in your questions, we also very much want to encourage you guys to pray over the struggles your children are having and to seek God's wisdom above Anyone else's advice. Katie and I are certainly committed to bringing encouragement to you guys every week, but we sure don't want to be, um, or to where it gets to the point that you're more dependent on us and any advice that we're offering more than you're pursuing wisdom from God. And He so graciously gives us that wisdom through His Word and when we seek Him in prayer. One of the most wonderful things about prayer is that when we ask God for wisdom, He promises to give it to us. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So I, th- I think it's fine for us to share ideas and to come alongside one another and to seek counsel from one another, as long as we're ultimately taking our questions and our concerns to the Lord. That's right, gender. Okay, so let's get started on
0: today's question. Erica in California writes this. My 11-year-old has a bad attitude and loves to argue with me. I try not to engage, but it's really hard. She does not obey. Every instruction winds up with her wandering around and not doing what she's supposed to be doing, whether it is school or a chore or anything else. She has no motivation or desire to do better. We use a demerit privilege system. When she earns a demerit, she says, well, I guess I can't be on the highest level. So she will earn more demerits because she doesn't care. She is not a Christian yet. Besides prayer, what can I do? Her heart needs to change, not just her actions.
1: Mm. Well, Erica, first, let me just say that I very much admire the wisdom and the discernment that the Lord has obviously given you um, based on that last statement you made, because it was dead on. You wrote that your daughter's heart needs to change, not just her actions. There is so much wisdom in that. You're wanting to reach your daughter's heart, and that makes you a great mom. So don't beat yourself up because your daughter is having these struggles. Know that her struggles are natural because she's a sinner, just like the rest of us. And know that God knew the struggles that your daughter was going to face, which is why He ordained you specifically to be her mom, so that you can train her and encourage her to live wisely instead of foolishly. It's such a privilege that God has given you that responsibility and that position in your daughter's life. So be encouraged and approach it it with a thankful heart and take joy in it.
0: Oh, Ginger, that is such a great encouragement right off the bat. And that that makes me want to cry, just thinking about (laughs) God has ordained us specifically to care for our
1: children. Okay, so let's dive right in. I really think that it's best uh, to just maybe break down your question, Erica, because it seems that there's several things going on here. You wrote that your daughter has a bad attitude and loves to argue with you and that you try not to engage, but it's hard not to. So it seems to me that you might be a little bit on the defensive side of parenting, whereas it would be more beneficial for you to be on the offensive side of parenting. Obviously, your daughter should be respecting your authority and not arguing with your instructions. But at the same time, you should be requiring her to respect your authority rather than allowing yourself to be be drawn into uh, that temptation to argue back with her. So really, just looking in from the outside, it sort of seems that neither of you are really responding wisely to God's plan for that parent-child relationship. And when that relationship isn't operating in the way that God intends it to operate, the result is disharmony in the family and disharmony in the relationship. The Bible says that parents are to train their children and that children are to obey their parents. That's God's good plan for the family. So that's definitely how it operates best. And when I say that you're on the defensive side instead of the offensive side of your parenting, what I mean by that is that when you allow yourself to be sucked into the temptation of arguing back with your daughter, what you're basically doing there is trying to defend your God-given position as her mother. You've already been given authority over her by the Lord Himself. And That authority is for her own good. So you don't need to argue or defend your authority. Embrace it. God gave it to you. Not because— it gives you some power-hungry satisfaction to boss her around. <laughs> but because you love her so much that you want to train her to live wisely instead of foolishly. And according to Proverbs nineteen twenty, wise living comes from listening to advice and accepting instruction. That verse says, listen to advice and accept discipline. And in the end, you will be counted among the wise. So That's why you want to call her to listen and respect your authority and your instructions so that she will grow in and experience the wisdom of the Lord. Ginger, I completely agree. And I read some advice from John Piper
0: recently that really made sense to me. He said to avoid correlating anger with the demand for respect. So it almost never has the desired outcome. Instead, he says we should talk about respect and obedience in times of happiness, not just in the times of angry crisis. So it's hard to show respect to someone who isn't showing it to us in return. Also, I'd like to share a little bit of my personal experience here, if I could. Um, Our oldest child is around the same age as Erica's oldest daughter, and one thing I've noticed about him is that he naturally has a very authoritative and confident personality. He also has a strong sense of justice and enjoys arguing his point. Okay, where so, in the world did
1: he get that? I have no
0: idea. <laughs> but I find that if I shut him down when he tries to express his opinions, he becomes incredibly exasperated. So one thing I've tried to do is to listen first to acknowledge and understand his point of view. I also try to do what Ginger suggests and ask him heart-probing questions. Then... He is more willing to listen and understand my point of view, even if he doesn't like it. Now, this doesn't mean that I don't require obedience from him all the way, right away, and with a joyful heart, as Ginger tells us. But it does mean that there is a more open dialogue with him than I would have with a toddler, for instance. So when there's mutual respect there, the outcome is always so much more peaceful and God-honoring.
1: Mm, yes, that is so good, Katie. And listening to you say all that, it reminds me of Proverbs eighteen thirteen, which says, To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. We need to always be willing to listen before we answer, even with our kids. Now, understand that there is a big difference, though, in showing respect for our older kids by listening to their thoughts and opinions versus allowing them to argue. So yes, for sure. For the older child, it's wise to hear them out as long as they're willing to communicate their thoughts and feelings and opinions with respect uh, before you make that final decision. Because when you show respect for them, well, that encourages them to show respect for you. Now, I also, uh, Eric, I don't want to skip over the fact that you said your daughter is not yet a Christian, because in you saying that, it makes me think that you might be thinking because she's not a Christian, she doesn't have the power of the Holy Spirit working to help her understand His commands. So is it really beneficial to use God's Word to instruct her? And really, I mean, why would she even be motivated to obey His commands when she's not yet a Christian? So I'm thinking that that might be your thought process in letting me know that she's not a Christian. And I've actually had a lot of parents question whether or not they should expect their kids who don't know God yet to understand and submit to biblical obedience. And so here's my encouragement for that. Teaching our children in accordance with God's Word, God's law— points them to the fact that they are sinners who are in need of God's mercy and His forgiveness and His grace. Galatians 3.24 says, so the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. So Erica, every time your daughter violates God's law, you have a precious opportunity to point her to her need for Jesus. Mm. And also, uh, just on a side note, while we're talking about this, I do have a mini ebook that I offer on my website called how to lead your child to Christ. And Erica, I think that might be helpful to you since your daughter's not yet a Christian. It's a it's a free resource that you get immediately when you sign up for updates on my website, which is gingerhubbard.com. So check that out. I really think it would be encouraging and helpful to you, as well as any of our listeners who have children who have not yet accepted Christ. Okay, Erica, so the next thing you wrote is, she does not obey... Every instruction winds up with her wandering around and not doing what she's supposed to be doing, whether it's schoolwork or a chore or anything else. She has no motivation or desire to do better. Well, you know, when I think about it, that might be because she she hasn't been required to do better. She's basically, it sounds like, been getting away with it. She's being allowed to live her life as she pleases without respecting your authority, uh, without obeying you, and without taking responsibility. And that does not please the Lord. Colossians 3.20 says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And her Living in that disrespect and and disobedience to your authority is not what's best for. In fact, It's what God calls foolish living, and you don't want her to grow up with a tendency to live foolishly, because then she's going to suffer some pretty ugly consequences for living that way, and that's not what any of us want to see happen in in the lives of our kids. It's going to benefit her well to learn respect and responsibility now, because respectful and responsible children become respectful and responsible adults.
0: Mm. As a fellow homeschooling mom, I can— Completely identify with the challenge of motivating our kids to complete their chores, their schoolwork, and other responsibilities. So, Erica, I wonder if you could just ask your daughter honestly what would motivate her. So, um, I've done this before. You know, I've given my kids a new learning tool if they achieve a particular milestone in school, like memorizing their math facts, or a date with mom if they agree to read you know, to a younger sibling for a set amount for a set number of days a week. So something that gets her excited about the learning process and feeling like she's grown up, Uh, that's a very big deal to a child that age. They want to feel mature and they want to hear from their parents that they're doing something well. Mm -hmm. And I also recommend making sure that there is no question what is required on a daily and then on a weekly basis. So, come up with some system of organizing the tasks that she has to perform each week so that she can see her progress and be encouraged by what she's accomplished rather than discouraged by what she hasn't accomplished. And then, you know, consider showing her and yourself some grace if only 80 or 90% of that work even gets accomplished. So, I try to strike a balance between requiring my children to do what I've asked. And also being realistic about what we and they can actually accomplish in a given week.
1: Mm, that's really great advice. Katie, I love that you're still in the throes of parenting and homeschooling <laughs> and that you can offer this practical advice that you're actually living out right now in your home. That's right. Uh, because for me, you know, it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Erica, something else that you said is that you're using demerits as a consequence, but that every time your daughter earns a demerit, she says, well, I guess I can't be on the highest level. So she earns even more demerits because she doesn't care. Well, and thinking through that one, I, I think I can actually understand why she might feel that way, because it sort of reminds me of John Bender in that popular 80s movie, The Breakfast Club, <laughs> when every time he mouthed off, Mr. Vernon, the principal, kept giving him another day of detention. But the more days the principal tacked on, the more John Bender mouthed off. And it was because the more detention days Mr. Vernon added, the more hope John lost that he would ever have a free Saturday again. And the more hope he lost that he would ever be considered as a respectable or upstanding student. So it was like, The overdoing of consequences exasperated him to the point that he just threw his hands up and gave up hope. He developed a mentality of, well, at this point, what's one more consequence? And so he just kept living recklessly and foolishly. And from what you've said here, it seems that the demerit system you've been enforcing is having that same negative effect on your daughter. You wrote, she has no motivation or desire to do better. It could be that the more demerits she gets for arguing and being irresponsible, the more she begins to give up hope that she can ever do or be anything different. It's as though the demerits have defined who she is. So she has no motivation or desire for change. Ginger, can I interject here and just talk about
0: children being irresponsible? Because there's a difference, a big difference between disobedience and irresponsible behavior. Now, of course, our children are irresponsible because they're children, and our job is to train them over time to grow and become
1: more responsible, but we can't really expect that from them too soon, or we will certainly exasperate them. That's a very good point, Katie, and there's a big difference in childishness and foolishness, and mm. that's kind of what you're talking about right now. That could actually be a whole other episode Absolutely. in learning how to determine the difference in those. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But back to the demerit system, Erica, it's, it seems that that system isn't working for you. And so what can you do instead to encourage your daughter to be respectful and to submit to your authority and to obey your instructions and to be more responsible? Well, first, I would encourage you to sit down with your daughter and explain that it's your responsibility as her mom, uh, in accordance with God's plan in Ephesians, to train her in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And it's her responsibility as your daughter, also in accordance with God's plan in Ephesians, to obey her parents and to honor her parents parents. And I think it would be wise to go ahead and explain to your daughter why that's God's plan. It's not because He's trying to take any fun out of her life. <laughs> it's because He loves her more than anyone else loves her, and He wants the absolute best for her. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 explains God's purpose for commanding that kids obey the instructions of their parents and that they honor their father and mother. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you. You know, I love that the very first commandment in Scripture that has a beautiful promise attached to it is the call for children to obey their parents. Hmm. It's for their own good. It's God's perfect plan for their lives that it may go well with them. So on the practical side of things, I think it's important that you make sure your daughter clearly understands your instructions so that there's no question or confusion as to what you're expecting from her. And then I think it would be wise if you require her to acknowledge that she understands those instructions, whether she says, yes, mom, or if you're here in the South, yes, (laughs) (laughs) ma'am, or it might even be a good idea to have her repeat the instructions back to you just so that everyone is clear.
0: In addition to that, Ginger, I think it would be really helpful to ask her to weigh in on what she thinks she can realistically accomplish in a week. Mm -hmm. So um, even asking, you know, or just saying, I think we should plan on doing math every day, um, spelling twice a week, and maybe handwriting twice a week. What do you think? And then seriously consider being willing to take her opinion into consideration. So this doesn't usurp a parent's biblical authority because you haven't yet indicated what's required. You're basically taking her thoughts into consideration. So then if she fails to complete what's required, you can gently remind her that, you know, this is what you committed to accomplishing this week, and um, this is what we require. But then if it's still too much for her, you can reassess the following week. And then if she flatly refuses, well, then it's really clear, you know, that it's a discipline issue. Know if you and your family have jumped on the monthly membership bandwagon, but my family really has. There are several that we get super excited about, but one of my kids' absolute favorites is called Dwell. Dwell is a monthly membership of scripture designs to help you and your family memorize one Bible verse every month. So we have what's called the Family and Friends membership, and it includes a four by five and a half print of the scripture verse, two key cards with the verse, and this is my favorite part, nine temporary tattoos. The designs are just beautiful, and I think this is a perfect Christmas or a birthday gift that doesn't include just more plastic stuff laying around the house. Actually, I have a funny story about my dwell tattoo. I was having dinner with my parents one night, and I had one on my wrist because we were learning John eight thirty six. Well, my dad saw it and asked if I had a new tattoo on my arm, and I was like, yeah, dad, I've had this for almost 10 years. <laughs> and he said, well, I never noticed that before. <laughs> And then I had to confess that I lied to my dad about a fake scripture tattoo. So, you know, don't be like me. To learn more about this wonderful way to help you and your family hide God's word in your heart, go to DwellDifferently.com and use the code GINGER10 to get 10% off your order. Again, that's DwellDifferently.com and use the code GINGER10. One of our most hilarious church moments happened before COVID, you know, back when we were allowed to sit next to people. Well, my son had brought his favorite Lightning McQueen car with him that particular Sunday. We were sitting in the middle of our very large church, so literally thousands of people, when suddenly lightning hit the floor and he rolled and he rolled and he rolled all the way to the front of the church. And then some amazing person at the front, probably a dad, just picked up the car and without even looking back, he just passed it over his shoulder to the row behind him and that person passed it back and back all the way until lightning was returned and my face was pretty much as red as that car. That story is one of the main reasons I'm so excited to share more about our sponsor Not Consumed. Not Consumed is a family-owned ministry with dozens of products to help you and your family grow in faith. Their Bible studies for kids and families are amazing and so helpful. I love the one entitled My Brother's Keeper. But my favorite product is the Sermon Notebook. I just love that this is a way for our kids, as young as four years old even, to stay engaged with the sermon rather than distracting the entire church. To find out more about Not Consumed Ministries' incredible catalog of products and to download their free family Bible study, just visit notconsumed.com slash ginger. Again, that's notconsumed.com slash ginger. I think it's a really good idea to have a weekly retrospective. It's like a little family meeting that we do where we talk about what worked, what didn't work, and what we could do differently the next week. And we actually write these things on a dry erase board. So what worked, what didn't work. And what we want to do differently the following week. So it's just a really simple, wonderful tool to ensure the entire family is on the same page. So when we do our weekly retrospective, we often include popcorn or a sweet treat just to make sure we're really positive in our feedback rather than using it as an opportunity to lecture our kids on what they didn't do well that week. And I also ask them to be the ones to state what they didn't do well rather than us pointing out each other's flaws (laughs) during (laughs) that
1: part of the process. Mm, That's good. Once again, Katie, that's really great advice. It's so encouraging for older kids to be given the opportunity to make assessments of what's working well for Mm -hmm. them, what's not working well for them, and what might work better for them. And so, Katie, I love that you have these retrospective meetings with your kids and give them a say, because not only is that teaching them to think and to problem solve and to figure out how to make better progress, but it's also building strong family unity. The family who listens and respects one another's differences and strengths and weaknesses and then encourages one another to make changes and adjustments accordingly, that's the family that is really mastering the art of listening to and respecting one another. Mm. And that brings such peace in family relationships. Also letting them be a part of these discussions and decisions that gives them confidence and helps them grow and mature to be better thinking people and better problem problem solving adults. Okay, Erica, so then you wrote, every instruction winds up with her wandering around and not doing what she's supposed to be doing, whether it's schoolwork or a chore or anything else. Well, I think it might be helpful if you give her a certain amount of time to complete whatever task you're giving her. That helps with procrastination. I remember going through a spell when my kids were really procrastinating with their schoolwork, And so I wound up actually setting a timer. And I had that timer in the room with them so that they could see it. And I made sure that I allowed more than enough time for them to accomplish each subject. And I found also that the timer worked really well for chores on those days that they would get into ruts of procrastination. That's a really
0: good idea, Ginger, to set the timer. We also will um, set chores to music sometimes and play our favorite um, song. Actually, I want to put one in our show notes, one of my absolute favorite songs for cleaning because it's really upbeat and we run around to clean the classroom after school. Um, But I also suggest trying to make sure – Erica, that you've broken down each assignment into one single task at a time. So we wouldn't want to tell our kids, you know, go write your paper. Instead, we want to help them figure out how to identify each step of the process. So I need to choose a topic, write an outline, write a first draft, et cetera. And then we write each task on a piece of paper or index card or um, post-it note, um, and then we hang them on the wall or put them somewhere where they can track the progress as they go. So this is incredibly motivating for a child to see their progress in a physical representation. So if you look up Kanban, that's K-A-N-B-A-N, and we'll put a link to this in the show notes too, just... some articles explaining Kanban, but you can see that many professional organizations use this to motivate their employees. So this works really well for families too, and we've used it with great success in our homeschooling. The goal though is to train our kids how to take large projects like writing a paper or cooking a meal and breaking them down into smaller achievable tasks. This is a huge part of learning, and I think it's one of the most valuable, practical things we can teach our children while they're in our homes.
1: Yeah, because really any task is easier accomplished and far less overwhelming when we break it down into steps. Mm -hmm. And you're right, Katie, seeing real tangible progress is probably one of the best motivations there is for carrying any project on to completion. But let's do talk about the older child who's being motivated in all the right ways but is still choosing to not obey mom's instructions or still falling into that temptation to procrastinate when it comes to their schoolwork or their chores or whatever. As far as consequences, as my kids got older, consequences became more about responsibility and freedom. In other words, what I trained my kids in is this, if you are responsible to obey my instructions, to complete your schoolwork and your chores and the time allotted, then you have the freedom to do what you want this evening, whether that's watching a show or playing a video game or whatever it is you wanna do. This way, it wasn't an argument. Here's your instructions. You've acknowledged that you understand these instructions. Here's the amount of time you have to complete these instructions. And now you have the freedom to choose. You can choose to be respectful and to obey and to be responsible today. And then you'll reap the benefits of having the freedom to enjoy doing the things you like this evening. If you do not choose to be respectful and obey and be responsible today, then you lose the freedom to do what you want to do this evening. So for my kids, it was a day-by-day choice because that's something else. We want to be wise about consequences and careful that we're not overusing them, not overdoing them, Mm. because that can really discourage our kids and they can get that whole John Bender mentality of the consequences are so overwhelming that I'll never see the light at the end of the tunnel, so why even try? And so in frustration, they give up. And sometimes in our frustration, we tend to speak before we think, and we blurt out something that's irrational, like, no TV for three months, or (laughs) you're grounded for the rest of your life. How many (laughs) of us heard that growing up? (laughs) Instead, we want to be wiser than that. We want to think before we speak and strive to administer logical and rational consequences, ones where the punishment fits the crime. That way, our kids keep that hope of a clean slate and a fresh start. I remember when my son, Wes, was about 11 or 12 years old, Erica, about the same age as your daughter, and he had a brand new bike. And so he was all about riding his bike every day. There was no problem with procrastination with schoolwork on those days. He couldn't wait to get outside, but he kept leaving his bike in the driveway instead of putting it back in the garage. And he just kept telling me that he forgot. So I gave him the benefit of the doubt and some grace for a few days, and still I started getting suspicious that his forgetfulness was more a matter of convenience, (laughs) and so I decided to lay down the law, and I let the punishment fit the crime. I said, Wes... If you're responsible to remember to put your bike in the garage today, you get the freedom to ride it again tomorrow. If you're not responsible to remember today, then you lose the freedom to ride your bike tomorrow. And so you see, that's not an irrational consequence. And I made it a day-by-day choice for for him so that he didn't give up on hope of doing better. And on the days that he blew it, he still had that hope of tomorrow. God's mercies are new every morning, and so are moms. (laughs) Oh, thank goodness that's very true,
0: Ginger. (laughs) Something I want to start doing just after pondering Erica's question is to do a better job of writing down what my children have done well that week and communicating that to them. You know, it's so easy for me to fixate on all the ways they need correcting rather than encouraging them in the ways that they have done well. So even if we can only find very small things like— you know, them listening when we give instructions or offering a respectful opinion when asked. So, you know, simply put, we would need to ask ourselves, do our kids experience our delight more than our displeasure?
1: Mm, That's really good, Katie. Do our kids experience our delight more than our displeasure? That is a great question for us to ask ourselves, a a convicting question.
0: I was just going to say that. Absolutely (laughs) convicting for me after it came out of my mouth. Yes. (laughs) Well, Erica, thank you for writing in with your question and we hope you as well as our other listeners have been greatly encouraged. Before we move to a final word of encouragement though, Ginger and I want to take a minute and tell you about an upcoming event that we will be at together.
1: Yes, yay. Katie and I will be in Wichita, Kansas together where I'll be keynoting at the 2021 Kansas Homeschool Expo on May 21st and 22nd and we would love for you guys to come join us. When I'm not speaking, Katie and I will just be hanging out at my booth, and we will have plenty of time to chat with you guys. So we would love to meet you, would love to get to know you, and so I hope you guys will join join us. And also, I'm going to be hosting a mom's night out at this event, which is going to be crazy fun, I and, I think so- and I think I'm I've so- about got Katie roped into uh, helping me with that, so that'll be yes. an extra dose of fun. Absolutely. I am so excited to go back to Kansas. My husband and I lived there for a few
0: years when he was in the Air Force, and um, let's see, May 21st and 22nd. Hopefully by that time, all the snow will be melted (laughs) by the Mm. end of May. We had two feet of snow right before Easter one year. And I was like, this is just not okay. Yeah, that doesn't happen in Alabama. There's nothing okay about that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we'll put a link in the show notes with more information about the Kansas Homeschool Expo and how to register. And if you aren't able to join us in person, be sure to follow along on Instagram at ginger and at Katie in a corner. That's K-A-T-Y in a Corner. Now, Ginger, you'll be in Round Rock, Texas this weekend, correct?
1: Yep, that's right. I'll be in Round Rock, Texas in just a few days. And then over the next couple of months, I have events coming up in Alabama, Illinois, and Colorado. And oh, while I'm in Colorado, I finally get to meet the legendary Dr. James Dobson. And Whoa! I am beside myself with excitement. <laughs> I have always wanted to meet Dr. Dobson, so I just, I just can't wait.
0: Yeah, Ginger wasn't excited at all when she left me a Voxer message and was squealing and
1: just, I could hardly understand what she was saying.
0: So, so excited for you, Ginger. And I'm excited for Dr. Dobson to meet you, actually.
1: Oh, yeah, well, it's not going to be quite as big a deal for him as it is for me, I can assure you. It was so funny, Katie, after I called and just screamed that into your Voxer messages, I, I don't even think you could understand me. But when I hung up, my husband was just shaking his head and looking at me. And he said, well, there'll be no calming you down tonight. That's exactly right. So exciting.
0: Well, you guys can check out the details of Ginger's upcoming events at gingerhubbard.com. Well, friends, we've come to the end of this episode. Ginger, can you please close us with some encouragement as we seek to reach the hearts of our kids?
1: Yeah, I think I just want to reiterate something we said to Erica toward the beginning of the show because it's really encouragement for every parent when their children are struggling in any area. Our God is sovereign and perfect in all of His ways. When He created your child, He knew the struggles and the trials that your child would face, and He had all of that in mind when He appointed you, specifically you, to be your child's parent. You're the one He's called to love, to nurture, to instruct, and to train your child in ways that only you can do. It's such a privilege that God has chosen you to be that person in your child's life. So be encouraged and approach that calling with confidence and with a joyful and thankful heart. Thank you,
0: Ginger, and thank you, listeners, for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever it is that you're listening. And while you're there, could you please leave us a rating or a review? This just helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Friends, we have already had such a great response from our listeners. Here's one review on Apple Podcasts. It's from Heather Jams, and she says, Ginger Hubbard has written my absolute favorite book on discipline. Don't make me count to three scripturally and practically it is spot on and encouraging challenging and holds so much wisdom because of this i love to listen to what she has to say me too heather jams so thank you so much for that review and for all of you who have taken time to rate and review the podcast we are just incredibly grateful we know you're busy and we're just very humbled that you would take the time to share your thoughts And because we love to interact with you, our listeners, we want to encourage you to submit any parenting questions you may have. So just go to gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. Also on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today we're offering a bundle deal where you can get all of Ginger's resources, which is a $95 value for just $70. That's $25 off the regular price. And as a special thank you to all of our podcast listeners, we will give you guys an extra 10% off when you use the code parenting at GingerHubbard.com. This is the best deal you will find on Ginger's resources. So we encourage you to take advantage of it today. Also, since Mother's Day is right around the corner, we are offering a bundle deal on Ginger's Wise Words for Moms charts where you can get an extra 10% off the already great deal of the buy three, get one free special we have going on the website. Again, just enter the word parenting at gingerhubbard.com for that extra 10% off. Wise Words for Moms makes great, inexpensive gifts for your mom friends who are wanting to reach the hearts of their kids, as well as for churches who are looking for, you know, a little something special to give their moms this Mother's Day. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. Once upon a time, there was a homeschooling mom named Shoparella who had a problem. She loved buying shiny new books, all the books, and she especially loved buying new curricula for her mice. This isn't a perfect analogy, but just hang with me. Unfortunately, she sometimes spent money on books and curricula that just didn't fit. Kind of like trying to shove a glass slipper on her stepsister's janky feet. But what Shoparella really needed was a team of fairy curriculum consultants named Janice, Deanne, Sarah, Gina, Ruth, and Judy, yes, these are their real names, to help her make good curriculum choices. Thankfully, Choparella found Rainbow Resource Center. Rainbow Resource Center is a family-owned business serving the homeschool community since 1989. Basically, they've been around since Choparella uh, was very, very young. Even if you don't homeschool, Rainbow Resource Center is a wonderful place to get educational gifts for kids of all ages. You can sort their huge catalog of resources by grade and by subject to get the best educational products for your family. But hurry, because on the stroke of 12, everything will be as it was before, meaning you can get their great prices all day every day at RainbowResource.com. Again, that's RainbowResource.com and get free shipping on orders over $50 and live happily ever after the delivery truck arrives.